So I've done many mistakes, obviously, but I think the one mistake that I think about quite a lot is that in the very beginning of Alva, I was not. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Falsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. My name is Malcolm Bernstam Linder, CEO and founder at Alva Labs and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Malcolm. Hello, Josef. Really good to be here. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. And your family is good too now? My family is good uh, too. I think there's been a peak in uh, the Swedish VAB in the last few months, uh, myself at least. And, and I think quite a few people in my team has been struggling a lot with sick kids and closed preschool. But uh, we're all... We're all good now, so... And let's jump straight into it. Malcolm, first thing first, always. Can you please do your elevator pitch? What does your company, Alva Labs, do? Of course. So uh, first and foremost, like our long-term mission is to create a fair and efficient job markets for all candidates and all companies. And uh, by doing that, like the product we provide, the solution we provide, uh, is a candidate assessment solution that provides recruiters and hiring teams really with the tools and the insights to make confident and efficient hiring decisions and really delivering a premium experience to candidates. So very practically speaking, uh, we help recruiters evaluate a candidate's so-called long-term potential. So we evaluate personality and logical ability. We help you run structured interviews. And now also with the latest sort of release and addition, we also do uh, technical skill-based assessments via our tool DevSkills. So really trying to paint that full picture of a candidate and running a sort of objective, data-driven and structured uh, hiring process, which ultimately also then leads to better hires and, and sort of a strong candidate experience. You are solving a huge problem. And this leads me into Malcolm storytelling. I love to hear stories. And I want to hear the story about uh, how the idea to Alva came up. Yes, of course. So uh, uh, I think that since university, I've had really two jobs, uh, not counting Alva. And uh, the first one was... Um, helping uh, to run an e-commerce scale-up or startup to scale-up, a company called Furniture Box, uh, which grew from uh, you know, a handful of people to, to, uh, to 60, 70 people and, and you know, a, a very fast-growing um, company. Uh, where obviously the biggest challenge we had uh, or I had being very young and inexperienced was sort of growing and scaling that team from the handful of people to, to a larger organization. And I felt that I had no clue really what I was doing. And we ended up doing tons of, tons of mistakes on anything from like organizational design to, to the actual hiring decisions and, and having them to fix those mistakes. Uh, which I think makes it really hard to, you know, uh, optimize for company performance, but it's also really hard to build a strong culture uh, in that sense. And then I went on to work in private equity and venture, most recently at, at EQT, 
um, where I guess over a few years time, I felt that the struggles I, I had felt uh, at being an operator and scaling a company and team was maybe, you know, I did tons of mistakes myself, but maybe less like Malcolm specific and more systemic sort of generalizable challenges for any company at any scale, really. So that's really where, you know, it clicked for me that, you know, this sort of... Uh, the, the challenges of running, hiring in an objective and really thoughtful and sort of data-driven way is something that's true for a early stage startup up to public company. Uh, and I felt that we were really missing the, the tooling and, and support to understand what is it that really um, you know, uh, drives success in any particular role outside of the sort of more superficial sort of biased opinions or hunches that we might have uh, given how our sort of uh, how our human brain works, uh, it, just because you also like playing golf, Joseph, doesn't make uh, you a great saw CEO. Even though I also love playing golf, um, and that to varying degree, uh, um, you know, is part of the assessment in any sort of traditional hiring processes. You know, who do we like and, and on what basis? So um, that's where I felt, you know, this is a huge problem that I find myself. Know, thinking a lot about it's uh, I feel passionate about the problem it's important and you know let's go out and, and try to solve it thank you for sharing this leads me into the first of the two big segments in this podcast leadership and business development and first thing here in leadership are you a good leader the million dollar question uh, I think uh, I mean in general I think I'm a good leader and uh, I also think that I've developed a lot as a leader in now the last sort of five years that I've been running Alva. Uh, so I'm more concerned and more interested in the sort of derivative of my learning curve rather than the absolute. So I, I feel good about that I'm better today than I was yesterday. Uh, and I guess that's you know, one of the things that I do well in my role is that I actually like really deeply care about not only the company, obviously, but also also the team and my own sort of leadership capability. So I, I take it I take it seriously to really try to improve and really sort of get input and feedback from my team on on how I can improve, but also how the company at, as a whole can improve. And if we move on to superpowers for you, would you say that that is, or at least has developed as a superpower, self-awareness, uh, self-growth? Yeah, I think uh, that would be a superpower if, if I'm generous. Uh, I think that, uh, and that's, I guess, quite uh, like a natural tendency of mine. Uh, like I am uh, naturally, like I think, fairly self-aware. I have fairly high empathy as well. So um, I think I've also learned now to sort of uh, use that more and, and make that my superpower more. Uh, so more confident in that I can be the leader that you know comes naturally to me. I don't have to mimic someone else. And this this is me and this this is uh, you know how I, how I am and, and how I can sort of optimize myself in that regard. Is there something more that you have seen developed over the years now and really being been a superpower for you and giving you value i mean there's obviously a million things that i've learned and done uh, better uh, or improved over the years uh, from various sort of operational and practical aspects of trying to build a company from scratch 
but in terms of leadership, I think that's the, the one key thing that I have uh, learned to do more of, like listen more, uh, get more feedback and really try to understand what is it that I'm actually doing? Um, like what's the, what is it that I, I think I'm doing and what is it that I'm actually doing and understanding that that gap is a lot larger than, than, uh, than you think. Uh, and then constantly trying to, to get input on that and trying to, to close that gap um, as much as possible. This was a really nugget, a golden nugget here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy about your answer and you went uh, very deep here. So, so I'm happy. We, we, we move on then to, can you share an odd thing you or a leader above you in the past have done that felt really odd, but now afterwards it seemed that it actually had great amount of impact. Do you have something here? Um, I mean, a hard question, I think. Uh, I need to fish hard, and I'm not sure I, I, I have anything extremely exciting. Um, I guess one thing... Uh, which I, I hope is not odd, uh, but is that I, I, I try to actively lead by example uh, to show my team, you know, I have two kids and a family and I want to be a, a present father. Uh, so I actively try to like show that I'm leaving early to pick up kids from preschool or taking a VUB day here and there and, and taking time off to be with family uh, not to, um, you know, create the illusion of that that's something you can't do at Alva, rather the opposite. You can be a present family member and have uh, have, have kids and, and still uh, have the ambition of building a great, a great business. Um, so I don't know about odd, and I hope it's not odd, but that's one thing that, that's, uh, that I do. Thank you for sharing. And um, we move on to what is the worst things about being a leader according to you? I think that the uh, worst thing and like the hardest thing is that you are as a leader sometimes forced to make very tough decisions um, for like the benefit of the company's existence and, and chances to be become a great company, uh, which might be in conflict right with what you'd like to do as either a colleague or a friend so what feels nice and yeah what, what feels nice and what you want to do is not necessarily what you need to do uh so i think that's that's one of the harder harder things and do you have a best practice here for yourself how to handle a situation like this i think uh, i mean reminding yourself that in the end uh, you have this vision and mission as a company that you want to create, you know, make a big impact in whatever way. Uh, but in the end, you're running a, a company, a business, and your responsibility as a leader is to safeguard that the business can be successful long term. And that will mean that you need to make tough decisions uh, uh, sometimes. Um, so. Yeah, just reminding reminding myself that that's also my key responsibility. A good reminder. And um, yeah, now I want you to summarize your view of leadership with one word 
or two words. It can be two words. But what, what, if you should summarize leadership for you, what is it? Oh, in uh, one or two words. Okay, that's that's uh, tough. Um, I think then uh, two words: direction and accountability. And if I allow myself to add a third word, that would be coaching. That's why I now say two words. And this is so fun with, uh, with entrepreneurs because uh, the last two weeks I've said one word and people have squeezed in two. And now I'm like, okay, one or two. And you are squeezing in a third. <laughs> That's how you do it. Right? <laughs> Always bending the rules. Amazing. Yes. We move on from the topic of leadership now. And since we're already laughing, I think we can jump into this uh, more easier fun part. Because I want to hear a fun fact about yourself, Malcolm, that most people don't know about yet. Uh, yeah, so I got that question beforehand and I had to think hard, uh, long and hard. I, I think uh, one fun fact that's uh, unknown outside of Alva at least is that we have now at Alva, uh, since uh, a few months ago, a, a company dance, which I've Uh, choreographed which i'm quite proud of uh so that's now a mandatory agenda item on our on our team events uh so if you want to see it you need to join join the team essentially but yeah that's a fun fact but you you can't just say that, that we have video here also can, can you show right. can you show show up no no no, no. no 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 i don't kiss and tell Okay, okay, okay. You need to join the team. I need to ask at least. I need to do my job. But okay, I ask. <laughs> Going from fun to mistakes. Biggest mistakes. What's the biggest mistake you have ever made in business? Um, yeah, so I've done many mistakes, obviously. Um, but I think the one mistake uh, that I think about uh, quite a lot is... Um, that in the very beginning of Alva, uh, I was not clear enough and narrow enough on which very particular problem we were trying to solve for a very specific user. I think you, Josef, do this a lot better uh, and did a lot better already from the first thing you showed me uh, when you started off. Um, I think looking back, we were way too broad and actually too vague on the very particular sort of problem and use case for a very specific user type, which uh, I believe made, you know, hindered us to make fast progress. So I think had we been more clear and more narrow, I believe that we would have, you know, uh, reached product market fit uh, a lot earlier. Interesting. Yeah, I hear a lot of this narrow ICP go-to-market focus, and you are actually telling me right now this At least one big mistake. I mean, it's, um, yeah. And um, this leads me into a topic of your choice. And I will just throw out the ball now and say, Malcolm, you need to be passionate and nerdy about this stuff. Mm. What is it? Uh, right. So I think outside of Alva and uh, obviously outside of, of family, uh, like one big interest and hobby and Uh, nerdiness, if you will, of mine is, is sports and anything really from tennis, skiing and kite surfing. So that's really what I've always been passionate about and still are. However, like a bit more fun, I guess, or sometimes even controversial, is that I uh, uh, have found myself 
since I believe it was early 2020, so last few years, to spending a lot uh, of time uh, on Bitcoin. Uh, so I've always been quite interested in, in macroeconomics since I studied, which is now 15 years ago. So, you know, I vaguely remember uh, what I studied, but it's always been sort of a, 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 uh, a side interest of mine that I think is interesting to think about and read about. And um, yeah, Bitcoin fits into that. And uh, I think a very fascinating uh, both technology, but also how it plays into sort of bigger macro questions and how a new decentralized technology without a CEO or founder like you or myself have managed to like in a grassroots movement been able to scale to a really meaningful asset class uh, today. So I think that's, yeah, that's one thing that I'm, I think is very interesting to follow. And follow on thing here, uh, you are tapping into it very quickly now at the end. Is it because of the grassroots movement combined with the macro trends that make this topic so interesting for you? Or can, can you please tell me a bit more about uh, why the interest of this? Right. So I, I think my entry point is macro. And this, there are obviously lots of, and I, you know, I'm very uh, shallow compared to many people. So I'm no, by no means expert. Uh, passionate doesn't mean expert. Uh, but if that's the entry point, I think this is then a potential contribution to some, to some of, or solution even to some of the challenges that the world faces. And uh, then adding to that is uh, like a, um, a, I think, interesting, exciting technology. And especially then to your point on the grassroots movement, like how can something be fully decentralized and still grow and still have this strong community uh, that is then um you know um really really strong against any kind of uh, outside attack technical or or sort of political um yeah so i can there's a lot to talk about here but that's i guess one one perspective as to why this is enough for now then if you if you put period on yourself so it's time for external questions because I want SaaS to be more of a movement too. So I put in people from the community and lend my voice. It's time for the first thing here. Today, it's actually two questions. Uh, and the first one is from Karin Steiner at Epidemic Sound. And this is her question. Hi, Malcolm. How do you ensure your organization understands where the money comes from? So that all departments think about how they can serve and help the cells. Thanks. Great question. I think um, uh, there's pro a lot to this, but like one thing that I think about is um, as a, I guess, leader and founder and, and CEO, not to shy away or sugarcoat that like, again, to what we talked about earlier, regardless of your company vision and mission as a company, in the end of the day, you need to to grow revenue and ultimately turn a profit in order to be a long-term sustainable and viable business. Um, I guess what we've tried to do is already from the very, very start uh, to obsess about the customer and, and celebrate revenue uh, because that in the end is, is, uh, is what you need to be able to deliver and, and profit obviously uh, down the line as well. So. Uh, um, yeah, make that top of mind, I think, uh, and, and clearly tie other KPIs and goals to 
to sales and, and revenue. How can you make sure that each team, regardless of where in the, in the organization you work, that you understand your most important metrics and KPIs and how that ultimately uh, drives uh, revenue in the end? Um, and um, yeah, so you can connect the dots on whatever you're working on. How does that in fact impact each customer and the, the ability to to, to drive revenue growth. Caroline, thank you for your question. I hope you liked Malcolm's answer because we need to move on to the second question. And this is from Jason Baskaran. And this is his question. Hi, Jason Baskaran here. My question is really simple, but also maybe really difficult. What is the biggest mistake businesses are making right now when it comes to their growth and their desire for more ARR? And how do they avoid it? I think uh, looking back at the last year or maybe two years, uh, obviously last year was a big shift in the market, uh, which has impacted many, if not most companies in some way. So I think one mistake businesses at least was making perhaps was chasing sort of growth at any cost, if you will. Uh, and I assume that most companies have had to willingly or unwillingly to, to change the mindset here and, and strategy to pro- prioritize uh, you know, efficient growth and, and long-term profitability a lot more than, than before. Uh, so I guess a big mistake today would be to still chase uh, growth at any cost. Uh, and yeah, that, that transition is obviously hard. Uh, and uh, we for sure at Alba has, have had to, to refocus and calibrate here. Uh, and um, yeah, so I, not calibrating would be a, a big mistake, I think. Jason, thanks for your question. And this means that we are leaving the external segment and moving on to the section of business development. And we are already here because the questions, the external question today was really business development focus. So we, are, we have already kickstarted because it's time to talk about KPIs, Malcolm. Which top KPIs are the most important for you? Of course, so I think not necessarily in uh, any priority. Um, I think uh, ARR, obviously, is uh, a KPI of Alba. Uh, why? Well, it's it's uh, a revenue, what we just talked about, right? Uh, that's the... the uh, uh, the oxygen in the business. Um, but then other than ARR, I think cash runway. So uh, this should be, I think, one of the most important KPIs to track for any startup who's not profitable and failing to track and forecast and manage cash flow, obviously, but also cash runway um, uh, will eventually, I think, increase the risk of, of crashing and burning. So. Uh, cash runway KPI um, for us then more specifically to our business a our sort of north star metric is number of jobs created uh, on our platform so this is for us why uh, this is the most important leading metric for our business in terms of usage and then ultimately customer value and also the closest proxy for what drives revenue growth uh, here and now, but also long-term. So 
That's uh, the most important metric. Then tied to that, we have number of new candidates invited to the platform, which similarly to jobs created is a lagging metric to jobs created, but also a, a leading metric on uh, customer value and satisfaction and ultimately down the line uh, revenue as well. Um, then we have net revenue retention, which is a KPI for us, on the company level. I think a key financial health metric for any SaaS startup uh, or SaaS company. Um, and uh, yeah, I think sort of captures anything from sort of growing and expanding and really the health of the customer base and the sort of viability of your uh, product market fit. Uh, then we, our KPI, uh, next KPI is gross margin. So how profitable is your uh, underlying business? Uh, what's the cost of serving your customer base essentially? Um, and then payback time on customer acquisition uh, cost and uh, two sets of user satisfaction metrics. So we track MPS and candidate satisfaction. I got the full KPI playbook here. Amazing. Uh, I, I'm cutting my own podcast, so so so, so this this is uh, when, when I listen back during the week, and I'm like, hmm? awesome. yeah, you also you 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 gave me good explanations on why also, so 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 no need to follow on here. It's just for me to smile and say thank you. Thank you. We go move forward to GTM strategies. Can you share? You, you have already, according to me, tapped into that mm. uh, for early stage startup. So if you just skip. Early stage startup. What's your next best practices, Malcolm? After that, if you just give some something more, right? I mean, uh, I, I was just about to say that uh, I was going to repeat myself on ICP and target persona. Uh, so obviously, if you're selling into SMB or enterprise or mid market strategies, will probably look differently. Uh, I think also then if you're selling into tied to persona uh, who your user per persona is is it a developer first uh, product is it you know, are you selling into HR teams or you know VP of sales or marketing we probably dictate a lot which strategies uh, uh, are you know going to be successful or not so I think it's very hard to do any uh, I think at least uh, generalizable uh, go-to-market strategies that will be sort of one-size-fits-all. Uh, uh, and I really think it goes back to that ICP and, and user persona. Uh, and um, yeah, what else? Yeah, Because that will dictate, I think, if, if outbound sales will be successful or not and or whether this needs to be sort of community-driven or an inbound-led uh, go-to-market Funnel. So everything comes back to the persona and ICP and take it from there. Pretty much, I think. And I mean, to be very clear, like it's a lot easier for me to give that uh, recommendation than actually doing that well myself. So I think this is something that we're constantly discussing uh, internally and sort of struggling with at times as well is like narrowing this down even more. So I think it's, it's easier to talk about the general uh, guidelines rather than actually doing it in practice. I think. And if we should narrow your narrow advice here quickly, then how wh what is your best way to start then to 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 know that you're on the right path with narrow ICP and persona? 
I think what we try to do a lot is like um, more and more like um, as we segment uh, personas, do like deep user interviews. Like what is it that really, what's the common denominators between these users? Is it really easy to spot? Like for your tool, for instance, like it's quite clear that you're uh, aiming to, to target sales professionals and not developers. But like for other tools, like I think a challenge for us at Alva is that you could argue like any company, any team, any person on the planet who's hiring uh, should be using Alba and caring about this. Like we believe that's the case, but that's not really helpful in terms of like creating positioning, messaging, and nor even a, a tool that's you know fit for purpose. Uh, so I think really understanding the common denominators for the customers who actually are successful using your product, like are happy or staying and uh, reach like uh, true customer value and at the surface these can these companies or users can look i think quite different uh, so trying to really peel the onion on that uh, is something we're trying at least we got some nuggets here so then i'm happy and we move on to you have you have said i think you have said it twice now in this episode you have brought it up not me i'm building them that is a sales tool with the core video our ICP is, that's why I have this podcast, B2B SaaS sales team and also success teams. So that's why I have this question in every episode. What would you say, Malcolm, is the best way to do a modern code outreach to you? If you are a salesperson listening to this and you don't know them and they would like to get you into a first meeting, how would you like to get approached? I get a lot of outreach uh, in all different channels, uh, email, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. Uh, I think, and there, but there's clearly a few that I uh, choose to engage with and uh, share with my team or, or engage with myself. Uh, and I think the common denominator there is that those outreach messages, regardless of format, uh, be it video or uh, text, are very personalized uh, and also uh, very specific on what the problem is, uh, and that that problem is that the problem that they're trying to solve uh, or that they're solving with their product or uh, offering, and that that's a problem that I actually have on my uh, top priority list. Uh, so. To what extent you can actually know that from doing uh, sort of research, but when when it's a top of mind problem that I'm thinking about and it's personalized and where there's some relevant social proof, so a reference from a other SaaS CEO that I admire um, uh, using their tool, I mean that is uh, I think interesting. And this means that we are entering the roundup. We only have a few minutes left because you are a busy person. If you would give yourself, when you were a younger CEO, like think six, five years ago, one, two, three top things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? Uh, I think we touched on it in the beginning, but I think that um, like being self-aware and constantly assess your own leadership uh, and I think you probably have a, a strong view on what you believe is uh, like a good leadership and like good behaviors, what you want to do. And you probably think that you're doing that to some extent. But 
what I found with myself is at least that I think I've, I'm doing a certain thing, but in reality, that gap is, uh, is large. Uh, the gap between action, the action behavior uh, or, or, uh, and the reality and what, I, and what I want to do. So like give, asking for feedback on those particular things and making that gap visible and trying them to actively close it, I think. So one clear thing I think is like setting expectations. I've always thought that I've that I'm super clear on setting expectations uh, for my team, um, but in reality, that's not always as clear as I think. The other one I think is perhaps uh, almost a cliche, but like uh, it's a roller coaster, and the tops aren't as good as as you think they are, and the bottoms and the low points aren't as bad as you think they are. So like, take it easy, be cool, uh, and move on yeah but it's good i haven't heard that for so long so uh, great reminder here two quick ones left malcolm and this second last question is a super quick one it's just me fishing for new cool guests so which other two b2b socios do you think are interesting and are doing great stuff and would like to listen to if i would interview them in b2b sauce ceos I think uh, there's many, but two that I come to think of are, uh, number one, Petr Hedborg, a CEO and founder of Modular Finance. Uh, super impressed by their bootstrapped scale-up journey. Uh, I think um, Petr is a really, really uh, inspiring entrepreneur. Um, and then secondly, I'd love to hear you interview Axel Jakobsson, uh, CEO and founder at Madden Analytics, uh, which is, uh, Axel is also a great person uh, working on a really cool company, uh, like analytics tool for retail and um, brands. So helping them to be much more data-driven in how they run sort of inventory planning and such. Like, Early stage company, re- really exciting. Thank you for the names. I will, I will shake Axel out and Petter. We are already in discussions and have been for many months. It's just timing and yeah, you you know what he has been going through. But uh, yeah, yeah he, he will soon be here. So uh, the very last question now, and now now I put my fingers crossed and hope that you will give a fluffy, inspirational answer, but yet some concrete numbers because i'm now wonder where will alva be in five years in five years uh alva we've helped millions of candidates to essentially showcase their true selves and full potential and ultimately landed their dream jobs uh so by then in five years if you ask any candidate, Alva is, from the candidate's perspective, the preferred recruitment experience when hunting for a new job. In terms of ARR and number of colleagues at Alva, approximately, what is that? Colleagues at Alva, I don't know, uh, hundreds, uh, probably. We're 70 people today. ARR, 100 million plus US or Euro, yeah. Yes, we have concrete and we have inspirational fluffy and I wish you the best of luck with that, Malcolm. And now I'm quickly shifting the focus to you who has been listening. Two things. Number one, 
press the subscription button. And number two, tell a friend or colleague to listen to Malcolm from Alva in B2B SaaS CEOs. And Malcolm, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thank you. It's been fun.